Here's the thing. Well, to tell you the truth, I kind of thought that maybe you and I could, um... We could what? We could get out of here. <laughs> like, I don't think you'd be any more welcome down there right now. <gasps> I mean, let's leave the party. I'm so sure. <laughs> Kill. I'll meet you out front. Wait a minute. Where are we gonna go? I don't care. What are we gonna do? Anything. Okay, but I have to bring my best friend. That's fine. I'll be waiting for you. Eaten by the monster of love. Yep. Cha. Don't let it get monsters, me. Polo Don't shirts and bandanas. Yeah. Don't let it get me. And uh, feather uh, hair. Me. Uh. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to How Have You Not Seen This? Hey, everybody. Yes, it's a podcast about a husband, Daniel. Hello. And a wife. Tracy. That's me. There you go. See, I'm trying to get him to change it up a little. She's trying to do that thing where like one person says, that's John and he's Scooter and we're rocking in the morning or whatever it is. Like, But I always forget. Well, that's what I now want us to do. Uh, <laughs> thank you. You've just changed the entire thing. Yeah. And uh, we are showing each other movies that the other one really should have seen by now. Mm-hmm. We received some a comment by a very grouchy old man who wanted to correct our grammar. Uh-huh. He didn't like the title of the podcast. <laughs> he didn't like. He's never seen it. He said he certainly never will. Yeah. But he thought we should just call it um have you seen this? Right. Just like a gentle question like, "Hey, have you seen this?" And the other person says, "Yep." And you're like, "Okay, I'm moving on." And you just go, "He didn't like the title. How have you not seen this?" Yeah. He didn't like that. It, he wanted to retitle it to just, have you seen this? Yeah. And it just made me incredibly happy. He had one of those accounts where it was like, Robin and Jim uh, yeah. Parsons or whatever. Yeah. When, and like, I was when, like, nah. Probably not, probably not Jim Parsons, but you no. get it. Like when two old people or two people of any age. I guarantee you there are yeah. thousands of Jim Parsons in the yeah, world. Yeah, but not the the actor guy. Although that'd be amazing if it were. If he was yeah. just really grouchy. And grouchy like, and an old man and hated us. Yes. Yeah. But no, like when two people, uh, when an old man and woman, and it's always a man and woman, share a Facebook account, it is red flag city. Mm-hmm. Bad, mm-hmm. bad, bad news. So yeah, Tracy yeah. was like, do you like the show? He's like, oh, I don't listen to it. She's like, okay, never mind. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> deleted, blocked, reported. Yeah. I, I just thought you guys would like that, that he didn't understand. It's like, it's all about, how have you not seen, like this is, you don't understand it. You get yeah, it. Yeah. I don't have to explain it to you. You're listening to it. Hello. Hi. Yeah, so we're back this week. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised? I told you we'd be back. Yep. I told you that we wouldn't leave you. We took some breaks, and now we're back. We're making some shows. We're making some kick-ass shows. That's what we're making. Probably didn't think we'd come back after I showed Tracy Solo a Star Wars story. I considered not coming back. Yeah, that's fair. That was just bad. It's not great. Well, it was bad recording, and it was a bad show. Yeah, that's the thing. Like bad movie. I was putting the uh, putting the tracks together later that night, and then I realized we'd had that recording error, and so the the sound was all clipped and, and scratchy and digital. 
And I was like, you know what? If this is a movie that we liked more, uh, <laughs> we probably would have re-recorded it for y'all. But as I was like, I'm just gonna put a note up front, and be like, listen, we fucked this up. I'm real sorry, but like, <laughs> I we fucked this up. But then again, so did they. So yeah, really, who gives I'm not a gonna shit? sit down and like say all this again <laughs> about Solo, a Star Wars story. <laughs> so I'm sorry that the audio was that bad. Just know that if it were a better movie, we would have re-recorded. We re-recorded for y'all before. You don't even know. You don't. You don't you don't know you so don't know what we do for yeah, you. Yeah, but for solo, I was like, fuck it, I'm just not gonna deal with it. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, it was a good decision. So so how was your week? How was your week? How was your week, everybody? How was your week? No, I was asking you. Oh me. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like you know I, we see each other all day every day now. I feel I like know, you but know, they don't know. Oh, my week was good. I got a bicycle. You did. I got a bicycle. Yeah. He's and you're getting excited. a bicycle. Yeah. Mine's being built. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very excited. We're going to ride bicycles around. And I should stress that this is not a racing bike or a mountain bike or anything in intense, anything intense. No, no. it's a it's a no. townie. It's an electro townie. It's just a city cruiser. It's meant to go on flat roads. And I'm just going to ride around the neighborhood and not at all look like I'm competing to beat any time for anything or try out for anything. That is no. not remotely my goal. So I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, I got to get my time down. To- nope, nope. Don't give a shit. I'm just going to ride a bike around. Yeah. And that's basically it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. mine's name is Jacinda. I'm getting her a basket and I'm going to put flowers in it. I'm very excited. She is very excited. I haven't named mine yet. No, his looks like Darth Vader. It's, it's matte black and it's, you know, tall. Uh, so it does look like Darth Vader's bicycle. Now I just really want to see Darth Vader riding a bicycle. Me too, right? Doesn't that, look, does that sound great? Yes. Yeah. So. Yes. They should have put that in solo. Should have put that in anything, I guess. Yeah. 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 So anyway, uh, yeah, last week was solo. Utter failure on our part. Um, but this week, I wanted to do a couple things. I wanted to kind of kick back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Let's go back to L.A. Yep. Let's go back to L.A. in the early 80s. Awesome. And um, show you one of some firsts, like kind of firsts for people, first for a director, first, mm-hmm. well, first, not first for a director, but kind of first big film for a director, first big film for an actor. Also, it's just, it's just such a fucking rad movie. It's like totally tubular and I fucking love it because we used to talk like that. I remember in like third grade being like gag me with a spoon and uh, and that movie today is 1983's Valley Girl. Valley Girl. Directed by the totally tubular Martha Coolidge. And so I guess my question to you is, how have you not seen this? I'm sorry. Hey, have you seen this? I haven't. <laughs> how have you? See, then the next question is, well, how have you not seen this? Well, it also becomes like a weird... Come on, grouchy old man. It also becomes like man. a weird tense because you're like, if you... If you say, have you seen this? I'm like, well, technically, yes. Now I have. That's true. Because you just made me. (laughs) How have you not seen this? This fucking guy. This fucking guy. No. uh, So I hadn't seen this because I'd heard of it. It was just one of those movies that you like know of when you like learn more about movies or, or grow up or at least did in our generation. I highly doubt anybody getting into movies now even in like a, a pop sense or whatever is like oh yeah 1983's valley girl like it seems you'd be surprised so off the radar for a lot of folks but i remember hearing about it growing up because when i was falling in love with movies in the mid to late 90s it was only 10 15 years after valley girl so they were like hey here's you know sighting is an early movie for some of these people that we'll talk about 
and I of course knew the whole Valley Girl stereotype we all did growing up in the eighties and nineties, the the slang, the the words. For sure, yeah, like, you know, like totally. totally. Like totally, just like Like totally, like just, for know, sure. Like I'm freaking out, gag me. Gag me with a spoon. Yeah. So he is such a total pucoid. Yeah. So just but I just never really felt like watching it. I was like, Oh, Valley Girl, an early movie for these people and an eighties movie. Interesting. I was like, that's fine. I just never really felt like watching it. So I just never really yeah. got around to it until now, until seeing it now. So, yeah. I've talked about it a lot in our time together. Um, you have. I have talked about it a lot. And I think I even made you listen to some of the music at some point. Because you did. Because the soundtrack is stellar. Um, I and will I have, say that. Yeah, I have more to say about that. Um, the soundtrack is really, really fun. There's a lot of fun early 80s pop songs on it. Like I said, 1983. So there's a lot of really good, good stuff on it. So yeah. Enjoy the soundtrack. So, um, how do you want to do this? You want to tell me what you thought? Sure. Okay. Um, I didn't really enjoy it, oh. but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I didn't hate it either. I more like enjoyed the time travel aspect yeah, of it. Yeah. Because yeah. Because one of the neat things I love about movies and always have is how they are an unintentional documentary of the time and place yes. of the world in which they were shot. It's really funny that you say that. So, uh, like I. I thought it's just really fun to see, oh, you know, the people and the style and the fashion and stuff in this admittedly already, you know, fictionalized, heightened world. Like, you wouldn't show somebody, can't hardly wait, and say, this is what life was like in the 90s. No, it's what teen movies were like in the 90s. So there's there's already a level of, like, you know, artifice because it's a movie. But I loved seeing the the makeup and the fashion and the cars and the clothes and the vibe and the people and just the look and just having that, you know, the exteriors, them driving around uh, L.A. I love seeing this, you know, this time that's, you know, 37 years ago. Well, you lived in the Valley. Yes. I did. When I was when I lived in L.A. for a few years in the in the mid aughts, I lived in Sherman Oaks. So I lived right off Van Nuys Boulevard for a while. Not too far because, I mean, at one point they cruise Van Nuys and they talk about cruising Van Nuys. Um, so I lived near where a lot of this stuff happened. So I remember... You know, it's funny, like the movie opens with like a little radio broadcast of a DJ saying, you know, it's such and such temperature here in Hollywood. And then it moves over the hill and she's like, it's a balmy 83 here in the valley. I was like, yep, that's right. Because it's always warmer (laughs) over the hill. So it's really it was really fun in that aspect. And I I really liked the soundtrack, a lot of fun, poppy stuff. I love just the the goofy aspect of it, too, because it's an it's a teen movie from the 80s. So all the teens are drastically older, played by older people. Or they, they're not. They just look old and hairy and weird because the main girl, she's like, I, I'm here with my best friend. I'm like, that looks like your niece. This is super unusual. I'm going to blow your mind. You probably will. So that was fun to see. It's like fun to see a movie like that from an era. You're like, oh, it's like a it's like seeing old slides or an old snapshot. It's really fun. You know, you get to enjoy that. Like, I liked that the main girl's parents were aging hippies. And that's fun because it's, you know, it's 83. So this is only you know, it's less than 15 years after Woodstock. Like it's, they're still just like, they're aging hippies and dealing with, with the changing times in their way too, which is really fun. But I did not like the movie as like a movie. You didn't like it. Like it's not like a masterpiece or anything. No, I thought the screenplay was really bad. I thought the story was really bad. Like it's about a Valley girl who falls in love with a, a Hollywood punky guy and you know, they're where their world's colliding and she really likes him and wants to be with him, but she's afraid of the social pressure of her friends and just caves to that and then just breaks up with him. And then, sorry, 
we can cut all that. So no, no, go ahead, keep going. So yeah, there were aspects of the screenplay that I thought were just a little bumpy and and uh, weird. Uh, I thought the the characters were okay. I really liked the character played by Nicolas Cage. I thought he was really fun and uh, appropriately bananas. And I liked how the other day you were like, you're going to see this movie. It's before Nicolas Cage got his teeth fixed. I'm like, what does she mean? And then I see him smile on this. And you're like, oh, that's what she means. I didn't realize he'd gotten his teeth fixed or anything. Most of them have. Uh, Tom Cruise, if you look at... Uh, um, oh, yeah? What's it? Oh, my God. The famous pony boy. Uh, oh, The Outsiders. The Outsiders. He's got like... Oh, he does? Oh, yeah, that's so yeah, funny. Yeah, I never yeah. think about that. I mean, obviously, you got to realize everybody you see on... It's not like a weird coincidence. Like, oh, they've all got straight teeth in Hollywood. No, they were, their teeth got fixed. Their teeth got majorly fixed. But it's funny, yeah, because Nicolas Cage is still... He's so young, but he's already like that weird Nicolas Cage. Like, he does like these this weird high-pitched laugh and rolling around and like fake punches. And you're like, oh, Nicolas Cage. Just bringing that Nicolas Cage energy I am... to it. From the jump. So into him in this movie. Which was great. I was like, oh, it's Nicholas. Like, it's it's fun because you're like, oh, he, I think Nicolas Cage is a really good actor and good performer and has done some really good when stuff. When he wants to be. When he wants to be. And has done some really good stuff. But I love that you're like, oh, so he was always, always kind of just bringing that complete package of this is my fucked up energy. This is what I'm bringing to the table. Yeah. You're like, it's almost reassuring. You're like, we're almost 40 years on from this movie and you're just still fucking Nicolas Cage, man. That's that's your thing. Yeah. Um. So I thought it was a fun time travel movie. I just didn't like it as a movie. I didn't think the story was very good. Yeah, but no, I love the valid. sound, love the soundtrack and love the time travel aspect. So that's valid. I've got I've got a lot of stuff because this is a, actually this movie is more important than I think a lot of people realize, which I really like. I think that Daniel, so I saw it when I was young, sure. right? So I love it from when I'm young, but now that I'm older and I read about it, I'm like, oh, okay, like that actually is really cool. And I really like that she put that. This movie exists because of Martha Coolidge. Sure. They only paid her $5,000 to direct it. And for those of you who don't That's, know Martha Coolidge, ugh. she started out, you were saying this had a documentary feel. She started out as a documentarian, uh -huh. which I love. But this was her first like big film. Sure. And she was responsible for what I consider are the best parts of the movie. She came in, the guys that had written it, she's like, hey, so we're going to add some stuff. And they were like, what? we're dudes and she's like yeah you're really getting this wrong right so like the parts where they fall in love in the club like mm -hmm. you see like that really sweet um the part where they break up like none of that was in the movie in the okay. original movie and yeah. i thought that was very real yes like i love nicholas cage's emotional response so martha coolidge i just this is i gotta throw this out there because we have this weird six degrees separation also directed what Real genius. Yeah, I wondered about that because the girl... Deborah Foreman. The girl from this who plays the main character, Julie? Julie. Julie, yeah. She, I was like... Come on, Julie. Yeah, I was like, she's the girl from Real Genius. Yep. Yeah, the, yeah. And that's because Martha Coolidge. Gotcha. Also directed Real Genius. Yeah, which is a great movie. again, we bring things back to either The Godfather or Real Genius. We can also take this back to The Godfather because Nicolas Cage is a Coppola. Yeah. But, you Almost know, too easy. That's almost too easy. Yeah. And actually, trivia, I have so much of it about this movie. Mm -hmm. Coolidge did not know 
who Nicolas Cage was. She did huh. not know his pedigree, as we say. Right. And she pulled him out of the pile and they were like, that is not a sexy guy. And she's like, this guy is very sexy, trust me. Like, right. this is who you're going to want. And they were like, what? Eh. And sure enough, he was perfect. He was yeah, he's perfect. Great. I love you. That's all I wanted to say. I love you. We can't see. Hey, hey. We're gonna see you again. You can't. What? Don't do that to me. You can't save me anymore. Is it your father? Is it your mother? Just let me talk to them. I can really fix. No, them. there's nothing to fix. It's not them. It's not them at all. It's me. Okay. I can't see you anymore. Okay. 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 I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what this is. It's your fucking friends, right? Shit, Julie. I mean, what is this? It's between you and me, not between the rest of the fucking world. So fuck off. It's your friends. Well, fuck you. Now fuck off for sure. Like, totally. Breakup scene was one of the best scenes because it was like emotionally honest and raw and made sense because he's like, You're dumping me because of social pressure. Fuck you, goodbye. And I was like, You should really just move on and find somebody better. And, but he's like, Nah, I just arbitrarily want her back. I'm like, Oh my God, buddy, you were so close to they getting were me in out. Love. They, she was a total dick. She's like, I, she's like, I want to be with him, but I'm just going to choose my friends. I'm like, Whatever. You don't, okay, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to pull a, kind of a bitchy card right now and say you did not have a very typical high school experience no so you don't necessarily know what it's like to be in in a that kind of situation where where you're in love and i'm putting that in quotes because let's get real yeah you can't see the um you have the first i that's why i said i'm putting this in quotes yeah um because you know that that like massive teenage angst and passion mm -hmm. and and where you're just like i can't imagine my life without this person and you're like 16 and what are you talking <laughs> about like right. are you insane <laughs> um but that feeling uh is that's the only time in your life that you ever get that feeling mm -hmm. and it's good because it's you're insane you shouldn't have that when you're 30 um <laughs> but <laughs> but the uh like I've listened to the music that I listened to when I was when I was having those feelings. I've listened to it now and I still love it, but I'm like, oh, I'm not getting that weird feeling. And I'm like, that's because my hormones have calmed down and right. the myelin sheaths on my, you know, neurons are finally complete and my frontal lobe is, you know, Developed not nuts. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I'm pulling that card on you because I don't feel like you really know. No, no, yeah. And I'm not saying that that's not a bad... Uh, story plot, like story point, I should say that that made sense, but like there just never seemed to be enough oomph behind it. Like she, she, she seemed she would go back and forth in terms of how conflicted or or how wishy washy she was and and what she wanted to do. And so I liked the idea there. The idea there makes total sense. It's these worlds colliding. It's like who am I gonna? What life am I gonna live? Who am I gonna choose? Who am I gonna go with? You know, um, and she she gets a little closer there when she's talking to her dad, and she's like, "I really want to be with, you know, Randy, who uh, Nicholas Cage's character." Um, and so you, she clearly wants it, but he's she just I don't know. To me, it didn't 
always work the the back and forth stuff. I really think that the class conflict and the peer pressure thing makes total sense and is a really solid obstacle for her to have to overcome in high school. I just didn't quite like connect with it in this movie the way I have in other high school movies, even like from this era. Written by men. Written by men. That's once that's all I have to say. Okay, so they made it so that's the reason it was bad. Yes. Gotcha. It was written by men. Okay. And you know, men suck. That's true we do. <laughs> um so the budget for this movie was only three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Holy shit. Most of which oh, I don't want to say two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of it. Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of it went to the music. I was gonna say every single penny was the music because the clothes are cheap. The cinematography is super cheap and handheld. They didn't even pay for the clothes. Everybody their clothes? Wore, everybody wore their own clothes. Oh, my God. That makes so much sense. It looks great. That's it, why it's so fucking real. Yeah. Is yeah because their own everyone clothes. is wearing their own clothes. And that's even confirmed. That's confirmed all over the place. But yeah. the girl who plays the best friend, um, her name is Heidi. I can't remember. She wrote into this 80s website and was like, hey, yeah, we all wore our own clothes. I remember that outfit, blah, blah, blah. Awesome. Like, I think that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, no, the music makes sense because as soon as you said it was that little money, which, oh, my God, that's no money. No. I was like, okay, so every single thing had to be music rights. Yeah. Every, like, there's nothing else in this movie that, they, that like that would cost that much. It actually kept the movie from being released for a while because oh. of the music oh. um, being released uh on like home video VOD. yeah, yeah uh-huh. okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah uh it grossed 17.3 million dollars so Oof. they did well yeah that's a huge return on no money i mean that 0.3 million there's your budget and so then just they bring into 17 exactly uh, so it's uh good for them yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. this is nicholas cage's first major role which he had done just like one other thing nobody knew anything about it i'm just gonna go through i got stuff from 80s movie rewind a film comment article by Sheila O'Malley. Oh, Sheila O'Malley is great. Film comment. Oh, that hurts. I know. See, I thought you'd like that. Well, no, like, I mean, RIP, because film comments had to suspend publication and production because no. because of uh, the financial toll of the coronavirus. So they What's already they already had announced they were going to stop publishing physical copies and their new one was going to be digital only. But they have also announced recently they've had to suspend all other like blogs and publications and stuff from film comment. They're not going to. There's not publishing any more stuff, not even online for a while, until all this gets sorted out, uh, which is a shame because Film Comment is probably the best, sharpest, most insightful movie magazine out there. And I've been reading it for 20 And they wrote about Valley Girl. And, yeah, and Sheila O'Malley is <laughs> great. Uh, I follow her on Twitter. She's a fantastic critic and writer. She writes for Roger Ebert, Film Comment, all sorts of stuff. Great critic, great writer. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just it that, oh man, that's a, that's a... That hurts. It's an RIP film comment. Yeah. Fucking COVID. Mm. Yeah, COVID, you've been great to us. We're really enjoying you. So awesome. It's a lot. Enjoying you a lot. Um, Flood Magazine, an article by Lily Moyeri. Uh, Mental Floss, really fun list by Garen Piernia. And then, of course, Wikipedia, because what do we do without the wiki? Exactly. So Valley Girl is based very loosely, and I don't so much see it, but I'm letting it go because I love me some Martha. Loosely based on Romeo and Juliet. 
but I don't really see it because no. the only people that have it, her family doesn't have a problem with it. We never meet Randy's family. Yeah. And the only people that really have a problem with it are her friends, not his friends. Yeah. So she I has don't a gang really of friends that. that fucking hate him and an, and a boyfriend slash ex who hates him. Randy has a single friend who wants him to to be happy to be happy and hook up with the Valley Girl. Fred. Rand, Randy's friend Fred also wants to hook up with the Valley Girl's friend. Uh, we never see Randy's family. Like, there's a scene in one of the montages where they're at the movies coming out and Romeo and Juliet's on the marquee. And I was like, I get that you're trying to, like, nod at that, but, like, in no way. It was not accidental that they share a kiss in front of them. Yeah, the like, that is, that's, there's that's not. Like, there's inspired, and then there's, like, it's so broad, you're like, Romeo and Juliet and Valley Girl. They're both about relationships. Like, well, that's. <laughs> I'll tell you what Martha Coolidge said. Just, this is just what she said. Sure. We'll let her speak for it even though we don't agree with it. Yes, it was intentional, the shot in front of the movie theater, Mm -hmm. Marky. And it was a love story. Martha Coolidge told the Kicking It Old School blog. I love that. That's, yeah. So I worked to bring it out even more, more out front. I created a Valley look and a Hollywood look, which she very much did. Totally. This heightened the stakes for Randy and Julie, just as the differences between the families did in Romeo and Juliet. The parallels were always meant to be fun and not super serious, but were based on truthful observations about the local conflicts and real teen pressures. It's not about marriage, but about love and growing up and differentiating enough to love. So, you know, she knows that it's not... Um, yeah, I mean, the, the class conflict and, and stuff is already there in, in lots of other stories, too. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it, she's she's fine there. And she does have a separate look, like their clothes, the way the different location scenes are kind of shot and lit. Like all mm. the Hollywood stuff is, yeah, is, is all darker and gritty. And... and like the Valley stuff is all just like pastels. We never really do any Hollywood stuff during the day. It's all night yeah. stuff. The Whereas the Valley, it's some night stuff, but also a lot of day stuff and a lot of like, you know, wood paneling and ferns so it's there's, paneling and ferns there's a definite difference there vibe mm-hmm. <laughs> valley girl is named after do you know this do you know this it's named after a frank zappa, zappa song yes yeah. and it, he did not want it associated with the movie yeah because doesn't the song like sample his kid saying valley phrases who's sa- some... yeah so it's moon unit is Thank in you. it and she saying exaggerates val speak over her dad's music yeah He tried. He has to judge to halt production of it. He filed a suit. Um, at uh, he was not happy, but fuck him, he lost. Um, well, they didn't want. I guess they maybe might have tried to get the song, but didn't get it, or would have thought of it at one point. But the phrase "Valley Girl" Zappa didn't come up with that. He was just the song was riffing on the concept. Exactly. So he can't stop him from making the movie. He didn't create the phrase. Yeah, you know, tough. He said, people think Valley Girl is a happy song, happy kind of song, but it isn't. I've always hated the San Fernando Valley. It's a most depressing place. Do you agree? I mean, it's the Valley. It's just kind of its own thing. It's it's fine. Like every, whatever, every city has its own intra-city beefs, you know? The beefs. <laughs> the, the Valley is... Fuck you, Montrose. Yeah, the no, Valley... just kidding. The Valley is like, um, it's the burbs, you know? Like yeah. it's just the big flat expanse of the burbs. Like who... 
Who cares? I have no context or understanding or appreciation or knowledge or insight or anything of Frank Zappa's personality or music or style. Mm -hmm. I know literally nothing except there's a man named Frank Zappa who made made music at one point. I don't know if he's alive or dead. I just know that Frank Zappa is a person. So if there's Zappa people out there who are like super pro one way or the other, Godspeed. I could not give less of a shit. Definitely not listening to this podcast. No way. I couldn't give less of a shit about Frank Zappa. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, uh, she didn't know... uh, the, all the Brad Packers came to audition. She, Martha Coolidge rejected. I'm just going to call her Martha. You know who I'm talking about. Sure. Rejected all of them. She almost cast Judd Nelson. And I'm really glad she didn't. I mean, I love Judd Nelson. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But he was tied up. And uh, and then she came across Nicolas Cage. And uh, he told her he couldn't do the part because he was committing to acting in Coppola's Rumblefish. And she called the production company to resolve the conflict. And they're like, do you know who he is? And she's like, ooh. So that was, I think that's cool that he didn't get it. He didn't get it because of his name. He got it because of his, you know, acting. I've never seen Rumblefish. Nor have I. I just know it. It's the same author, right, as The Outsiders, S.E. Hinton? Well, how would I? Please. I don't know. She also unsuccessfully fought to make the cast more diverse definitely unsuccessfully bless her heart she I can, really um, tried she wanted one of the four friends to be black i can imagine the studio refused i can see from her vibe which her, is so gross i can see from her vibe her trying i i totally believe that because uh she just seems like that kind of person from the way she describes the story and she did real genius and so you know it's again and she added all those like really you know kind of down to earth details about the girls and their conversations so i could see her want to do something more progressive but yeah this movie is notably white tis very like very it is so white, white that the few african-american characters who show up in a party scene feel so uh hilariously out of place like it feels like they were like let's just try and bring someone in it feels like an appeasement yeah there like, was an asian guy too yeah it is so it is so white like and you it, know it, he was like am i in the right place and they would not of course do that today they would make a much more diverse appropriately so movie but yeah it is Super white. Yeah. Super white. Yep. Oh, that sucks. She tried. I know. Huh? She tried, and I love her for that. Yeah. Um, this will this will not surprise you, and it will kind of you were talking about how real Nicolas Cage was in his role. Uh in order to get into character, he lived in his car while filming. Some people just try acting, but go for it, Nick. Uh, the filming was only twenty two days. Mm-hmm. Twenty I've seen twenty to twenty two, so whatever. Uh, and he slept in his car, and they're like, "You can't do that. We can't get in touch with you." He's like, "I'll call you for payphones." And yeah. they're like, "Oh my god, okay." This is where I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, I never know if it's canonical. I mean, it's it's apocryphal, but it's a popular story about uh, Dustin Hoffman and Lawrence Olivier on the set of Marathon Man, and mm-hmm. how Dustin Hoffman was trying to like live method and like, you know, not sleep and be crazy and stuff. And Lawrence Olivier is like, "You could try acting." Uh, <laughs> and I always think of that when. When people say like Nicholas Cage, I say, yeah, I say Nicholas Cage is like I slept oh, in my chat. car for Valley Girl, and I'm like, okay, you weren't trying, you didn't have to like gain a hundred pounds to play somebody or do like just, just be also in no way does you living in your car show up in your performance. You seem like your normal Nicholas Cage self, man. Like just, uh, I think that's when they start to like believe their own. You seem clean. Yeah, they believe their own press and their own hype and their own power. They're like I lived in my car, and I'm he like, doesn't didn't. have any though. Well, no, like, but he believed that doing something like that or talking about it would be like, would like give him some kind of like performing edge. I'm like, it did nothing for your performance. Yeah. There's no way. 
Martha said she remembered chastising him about the danger of living in his car in Hollywood. Dude. Um, she's like, what are you? Okay. You know yeah. what? What are you going to do? Like, there's like some headline in Variety in 1982, like, you know, Coppola, Scion, <laughs> murdered in Hollywood <laughs> while shooting a movie. While like, shooting a teen. It's supposed to be his big break. Sex romp. It's supposed to be his big break. Nicholas yeah. Coppola found slashed to death. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that would have been... That would have been an episode of MFM. Yeah, I just so dumb. Uh, just well, go to a fucking hotel, Nicholas. It's he go to the go to the uh, Valley Sheridan. Go to the Valley Sheridan. Yeah, go to the Valley Sheridan. I hear there's a room waiting. You dork. Nicholas Cage and Deborah Foreman had palpable chemistry, which you cannot deny. Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, they look, look. I, they the, when they first meet. Because the idea for her was to show how you really fall in love, not using just sex, but just the eyes and the talking. And the night they meet and fall in love, I totally get because it reminded me of college when you are with a guy and you you just have and nothing, maybe nothing happens at all, but you're just having that long conversation that goes until morning and you're just looking at each other. And it got me thinking about stuff that I had like forgotten, not even just in college, but later on. It just it's it's a weird it's it's about and it's, you know, what happened with you and me where we just talked for so long and that's how it happens. It's not just like and then we fucked and we were in love. What? Like, who? Yep. OK, mm-hmm. um, not real. Um, or you just meet and you don't talk at all and then you're in love and it's like, no, you it's you've got to get to know somebody. Yeah, I liked again. And I liked that first night out that they had where uh, Randy and Fred crash a party in the valley they hear about on the beach because they meet the girls on the beach. They just see them and then they crash the party. And after making a lot of eye contact on the beach, Randy and Julie like see each other at the party and Julie's like, oh, that was you? And I'm like, yeah, it's the same guy. Um, so, but they they crash the party, get kicked out, come back, rescue Julie and her friend who looks like her niece and they hit the road and they like spend the night she in Hollywood. She was 16. They, yeah, she, she looks very young. No, like she, she was really, no, no, no. Julie was 16 for real. Oh God, she looks old. She's dressed like a school marm. Um <laughs> Like she's, it's like just like frills up to the chin. Like she looks. That was a look, though. I know it was a look. I remember photos from fro, fro, family photo albums from that era. But uh, yikes, bikes. Anyway, uh, so they they hit the. No, she was seventeen. They hit the road and they spend the night in Hollywood. And like it's it, for a, while, a long while, it's like a lot of fun, like one crazy night out stuff. And I really like that that sequence. He's showing off for he's her. He's showing off. Like he's a dick. Like they go to the they go to this club. And he's all proud. But he's like, you guys are just fucking programmed with robots. And I'm like, I love that you're just like you brought her to your club and you're like nagging her in front of your friend. Just like fuck with. Nice move. Yeah. Um, but uh, so a lot of that stuff I thought was was really good. And I, I liked the montage again. Like I liked I liked a lot of the story for like the first half to two thirds. It seems like uh, it just kind of ran out of it ran out of like developmental steam toward the end, but I dug the music and I dug a lot of what it was trying to do. And especially a lot of stuff early on. So I loved them that, like you said, that, that sequence of them getting together that one night, like their, their chemistry and their vibe and the way they're looking at each other is, is really strong. And like the stuff at the club where she's just looking at him and she's like, you know, feeling all crazy, like, and talks about it. Like that's, that's some good stuff. Like I can't explain it, you know? It's like my brain's going to stop going. You know? 
Yeah. It's like I feel connected to you somehow. It's like I'm. It's like. It's like we're linked or something. I don't know. Gosh, I'm starting to feel like my parents. That club, by the way, um, ended up becoming, or either was at the time, or became the Viper Room. Oh. The very famous Viper Room. Been there. Owned by um, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp owned it, the uh, the Viper Room. I did and, not know that. And that's where they filmed that. I knew that's where River Phoenix died. That is where River Phoenix died. Very R.I.P. Talk about wasted. Oh, God, I can't even. Yeah. Okay, so they had palpable chemistry. Uh, Foreman said, I loved his eyes, and I thought he had great energy. His eyes are insane. And Coolidge does a lot of shots of these big, dreamy, uh, just... Yeah. Any teenage girl, whatever, I can't even... It's Nicolas Cage. He's great. Yeah, but I've never been attracted to Nicolas Cage. Yeah, but but he's been cast in a lot of roles like this. I mean, like I found myself thinking a lot of how... Less than ten years after this, he would do Wild at Heart, you know, with yeah. Laura Dern. Yeah, and it's that same kind of just like crackling Nicolas Cage, just ready to fucking just, explode with the wall energy. And you're like, oh man, he's just he's he always had that. I've just never been like Nicolas Cage, except for this movie. I'm like Nicolas Cage, like what? Um, Nicolas Cage. There it is. Okay. Well, hello there. Okay. Uh, she said, I thought he was scary to me emotionally. I was feeling stuff inside. He was triggering stuff in me that I've never experienced. I had never experienced in my life. This is so such a teenage girl. Remember when I told you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't even have a boyfriend prior to that movie. I had strong feelings for Nick when the film when the film when the film ended. We had a conversation. <laughs> I actually went up to San Francisco with him for a weekend. When we came back, an ultimatum was made. Let's just put it that way. And I decided not to go with the ultimatum, and we were never together after that so apparently he is also very dramatic in his relationships as well i think she probably made the right choice yeah but whatever hubba she said that the uh, breakup scene was really difficult she's like i think deep down i didn't want to be breaking up with him and i didn't even want to go there to predestine myself mm-hmm. i was really resisting the whole experience it was uncomfortable beyond means that was the longest we spent on any scene it was a struggle even when i watch it now i go wow that was so uncomfortable yeah uh and again again i'd like to point out that was a scene that the two dudes that were writing this movie did not put in and coolidge was like you need to show them breaking up like what are you doing Okay, so um, moving on, Elizabeth Daly in the movie, our adorable friend. Which one is she again? Elizabeth Daly, the little teeny pocket person. She's her friend. The little girl. Yes. What else is she from? You know what she's from. Because I recognized her right away, but I just tell me. You know what she's from when you, and I know you're going to cut in the music, but um, uh, she's from the very first movie that we ever watched for this podcast. Better off dead? Yeah. Oh. 
I'll be better off dead. She's the singer? Yep. The the little friend in this is the singer from that band. Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's why I recognize her. Now you're going to get your earworm again. Great. Because you love that song. That's a trip. I know. She did not have a Valley Girl accent at all. And mm-hmm. she had to work on... She pretended her character was actually from Malibu. She was. She said, I was such a rocker from the Sunset Strip that I didn't know the Valley Girl thing. Sure. Um, but I think she did a really good job. Yeah. They all sound fine. And um, was was is one of the other friends also uh was also like the girl in Real Genius like the yes the the no the, no the real high with the real high haircut I don't think so but we can look let me look it up real quick look it up real keep quick. doing your thing um well this one will make you laugh Nicholas Cage was so hairy he had to shave his chest he was eighteen when they filmed no, I believe it he's a very hairy dude he's her suit they had him shave his chest he shaved it. He stated that the design he shaved was intended to mimic what? The Superman logo. Even at 18. Yep. This is a man who named his child, uh, what is it? Did he name his kid like Kal-El or Jor-El? Kal-El. Kal-El. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Weird. Yeah. So somebody really likes Superman. That's weird, dude. Yeah. The uh, Valley Girl soundtrack got pulled at the last minute. Like I said, $250,000 of the budget went towards music clearance rights. A Clash song plays in an earlier print, but it got switched to a minute work song later. And the studio. Oh, who refused, can it be now? Which is. Yep. Yeah. Um, refused to redo the print to bring the credits up to date. Huh. Uh, they didn't care if the credits were correct, they just didn't want to spend that large amount of money. So CBS pulled the soundtrack album at the last minute. Uh, it wasn't until 1994 that Rhino Records released a full soundtrack. And the soundtrack is rad. Okay, yeah, I was right. Uh, it's the girl. What gr- is her? The girl, the the best friend Susie. Yeah, that's what I thought because I recognized her her eyes. The friend Susie is played by Michelle Myrink, who played Jordan in Real Genius. Oh, that makes it's me the friend. so happy. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I love the her. real shy, nerdy friend of uh, of of the yeah, girl. No, the I group. Know, yeah, I know, I uh-huh. know. Mm-hmm. I love her, and I love her storyline, and I love that she gets the boy that she, she was loves. also in The Outsiders and Revenge of the Nerds. Okay, a lot of eighties crossovers. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Martha Coolidge was given artistic freedom on Valley Girl as long as she made sure there was nudity. Okay. Because so that's actually, Atlantic wanted this to uh, appeal to men. First of all, there are a lot of boobs in this. Second of all, artistic freedom with a caveat is not artistic freedom. That's nope. actually interesting. Like, you can do whatever you want as long as you do X, Y, Z. As long as we see some today. It's actually not artistic freedom. And that... Actually, does make sense because there's a lot of boobs in this, mm-hmm. way more than I expected from from this movie, mm-hmm. and they're just casually thrown in there. Like when uh, Julie dumps her her sleazy boyfriend, who looks like he's about to just rape anybody that comes by, and he pulls the little, you know, little short girl into the room, and it cuts away, and you're like, oh, okay, and he just tries to put the pat put the moves on her, but then like we see him, and like he like just like pulls her bra off, and is like going to town, and I'm like, 
this feels like we're watching the beginning of a tape that like we're going to see in court. Like this feels weird. It's intense. Um, Oh, yeah. weird. They said, uh, they, this is Coolidge talking. They said they didn't care how it was done. They just wanted to see them. We shook hands on it. Cool. They considered the film an exploitation genre film meant for guys. This, <laughs> this is what these big fat old dicks thought. Yeah, they were like, let's make an exploitation genre film about Valley Girls for guys. But they hire Martha Coolidge, yeah. who wants to make it like uh, a class clash you know, romantic yep. teen drama. Yep. Which is weird. The real success happened when we showed them the finished film. They jumped up and gasped, it's a real movie. I don't know if I would have been insulted or yeah. proud, but that's, yeah, they were, like, they think they were just thinking it was going to be softcore porn. Well, yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, like, I don't even want to know how these, like, sketchy dudes cobbled together 300 grand in the early 80s and we're like ah, let's make a movie with some tits in it from uh these uh these valley girls yeah Ugh. they no longer obsessed about how many times they saw naked breasts in the film which was barely three in one fo- one frame of a fourth when the studio saw it they knew it was better to have a good real film than a mediocre exploitation film it put them on the map unbelievable i know um, I mean, we can talk about the soundtrack, but you can also, I will say Spotify has a really good playlist that somebody cobbled together with all the, all the music on it, but it doesn't have the classic song, which opens the whole movie. Yeah. Um, is that song available on Spotify? It's, I don't know if it is, but it's available on YouTube. Well, that's the thing. It's, if it's, it's not on the Spotify playlist because it's probably not on Spotify. Yeah. They would have put they it in. got a word for girls like me. We got a name, but we don't really use it. We got a name. Yeah, it's adorable. It's a really adorable song, and I love mm. it. Um, but we've got... So this song also put a very famous song on the map. Um, Modern English's I Melt With You. Which is an all-time 80s song. All-time 80s song. And that's the song that plays while they're falling in love, where they do the montage where they're walking around Hollywood yeah. and while they're playing, like, you know, like, I'm going to put some ketchup on your nose and yeah. your, you know, just boop. They play, and like, the whole of... song. Like, it's a, it's a oh, long yeah. montage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll stop the world and melt with you. You've seen the difference and it's getting better all the time. There's nothing you and I won't do. I'll stop the world and melt with you. Yeah, it's fun. It's uh and that's the thing, like I again, like I uh it's it's different than like last week how you didn't like solo but were like I'm angry at how dumb this is. Like, uh, which is fair. I'm angry at how dumb this is. Because it is a dumb movie. And so, like, this is a different kind of thing, though, and that's what's fun to talk about. Like, I didn't like this movie, but Barrett zero ill will. It's a harmless movie from the early... It's just a harmless time capsule from the early 80s with a great soundtrack and, like, just some bumps and flaws, and it's, like, just a fun thing to to watch as a throwback. Mm -hmm. So, like, I didn't like it but i did i did not remotely have like a a bad time or think like ugh, like i didn't hate it at all Mm -hmm. Uh, and again i totally get how they they focus on the soundtrack because the soundtrack is really really strong um and i found myself thinking about how how great that is like because at the time these were just you know pop songs and they pulled in all sorts of stuff and it's fun to listen to and see songs that like you maybe that didn't last for whatever reason and you know are just of their time Mm -hmm. but then you hear something like 
I Melt With You that has stayed famous and yeah. big for decades. And it's just fun to see. It's fun to see something that's that big now in such an early place. Yeah. Because, that's always cool. Well, and it's that big because of this movie. Yeah. Our producer just spoke up. She wanted to apologize for the um, hey for the really terrible recording last week, and um, we told you, her that it was. Do you feel bad for the bad quality of the recording that you did? Oh yeah, you do. You do. Do you apologize okay. to the people? Yeah, I think you should go to your bed and and just we've got it from here. She's super obedient. She yawned and looked away. So yeah, real she good. did. Um, this is one of the things I wanted to say in Coolidge's commentary track uh, for Valley Girl. She said, I felt from old movies that the most important thing you can do in a movie is to play wanting. It isn't actually the getting of the person that's hot on the screen. You never see them have sex. They don't actually have sex. No. Um, it's the wanting. It's the electricity, the eye contact, the reflecting of each of each other that people do, and that the old actors from old Hollywood really knew how to do because they couldn't show nudity then. Right. They couldn't show all the things that they could show today. And I wanted very much for Randy and Julie to really have that great desire and electricity together. This is the theory of electricity and wanting. You can feel this in a montage in Valley Girl when Julie and Randy walk, laugh, and kiss with a series of different lit up neon signs behind them. It captures the feel of a warm summer night when you're 16 and in love. Yeah. Now this is from uh, the film comment. So from Sheila. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In rewatching it, I flashed on what Quentin Tarantino's gorgeous neon sign montage in once upon a time in Hollywood. Now this one's going to blow your mind. Michael Bowen, who plays the preppy ex-boyfriend in Valley girl. And he's from Houston represent. Okay. And has since gone on to appear in a number of Tarantino's films, mm -hmm. over half of them, said that Tarantino was always quoting lines from Valley Girl at him. He knew them by heart. If it's a subconscious homage, it's an incredibly tender one. He's one of the agents in Jackie Brown. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's where I know him from, too. Because, like, this guy shows up on screen, and I'm like, oh, I know this guy, and it's going to bug me. Yeah. And I placed one of the places, and I, I felt like that release. It's He's like the he's the dad in, in Magnolia, one of the many dads, one of the many shitty dads. It's, Fuck you, Magnolia. Paul Thomas Anderson's dad had died. He was working through a lot of shit. Anyway, moving on. But yeah, he's one of the agents in Jackie Brown. He's in other yes. stuff too. He's in both Kill Bills. He's oh, in um, fuck, fuck, he's yeah. in Django. And I'm not fami as familiar with those as I am yeah, with Jackie Brown. Yeah, but I'm Brown, just telling you. I, as soon as you said the uh, Tarantino movies, I clicked and I saw him as the agent. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, oh, that's mm -hmm. perfect. Don't you love that? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so the bad guy, we were talking about this before we recorded. Of course, this is so typical, Daniel said, that I'm quoting you to you, that this bad guy is actually, first of all, ended up being really good friends with Nick Cage and is very uh, shy and sweet. And he plays a really good fucking asshole yeah and so you know representing houston yeah i really it, like that it's funny like i mean it's not like a hard and fast rule sometimes somebody who plays an asshole in a movies or tv really is an asshole and so they're not they're drawing a lot of experience yeah they're doing a really but good job a lot of times it's it happens like the people you see who play really compelling villains or really evil people are shy introverts who just kind of tap into a character motivation thing and you know mm -hmm. when the camera's off are just a totally different person mm -hmm. so yeah um, this I think you'll 
you'll appreciate and you'll like. Um, another of Coolidge's contributions was diversity in background casting. Background casting. That's Extras. Just, yeah. Well, I know, I know, but I'm just saying, like, she wasn't allowed to, like, give them lines, but yeah. she was like, fuck it, I'm putting people in, I don't care. No, I saw that. Making her way ahead of her time. The stereotype of the valley was that it was all white, but of course, that isn't the case. It's and, not remotely true. And Coolidge cast many different types of people for the valley party scenes. It may not look like much by today's standards, but compared to the blinding white of John Hughes's entire filmography, it stands out and makes you wonder how the landscape might have been different had Martha Coolidge and not John Hughes been the narrator of teen experience in the 1980s. And I hear you. And that's true. Like the, the Valley is uh, hugely uh, culturally and ethnically diverse. Like you drive down long streets in the Valley and pass through neighborhoods and billboards and shops and signs just like change language on like there's so much. Yeah. There's so many different cultures and people living out there. And it's not just the white bread folks that are the cross section of most of these 80s movies. Yeah. Coolidge had a real flair for casting. Um, she pulled Val Kilmer out of nowhere. And, um, Shit, fire. Yeah. She was like, hey, you, well, come on. Yeah. So um, She got a really good eye. She definitely does. Coolidge was part of a new wave of American film female filmmakers in the 80s. People like Amy Heckerling, yep. Eugene Palsy, uh, Nancy Savoca, Penny Marshall, Susan Seidelman, Penelope little up, Penelope Spheris, Jenny Livingston, and Catherine Bigelow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Many of these women directed box office hits, movies considered classics today, like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Desperately Seeking Susan, and Big. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, hooray for women. Yep. Because men just do not care. Um Oh my god, now this would have killed me. And this reminds me again of high school, where every time you would be in a play or something, I knew a guy who um, fell in, you know, quote, quote unquote, fell in love with whoever he was playing against, because he just like, that's how he, that's, he was very method that way, and just really would fuck people up. To create the f- the feel of a real romantic relationship while filming, Nicolas Cage would write Deborah Foreman love letters. Nice. I mean, what? Yeah. I. The script was written in 10 days. Yeah, that, I mean, that shows. I'll ten, be honest. 10 it, days. It kind of shows. Yeah. Now, um. There's this... a whole subplot of a, of a mom, a stepmom who wants to sleep with a high schooler kid that is just there to like pad out the running time. Yeah, but she's hot. She is. And he's hot. Hot. I don't know who she is, but she has this 80s thing going on. She's hot. She is smoke show but again like has zero connection to anything else that happens it's about like not even julie's main best friend it's about like one of the other friends It's about the one that's jordan yeah in real genius uh so it's not remotely related like you could cut it and lose like 15 minutes of the movie but it's already a short movie yeah uh it's definitely like that's the thing like there's not a lot of meat on the bone so i was when it started and they were like come on we'll we'll bust you out of the party there was plenty of bone oh hello Boom! I thought I thought it would be like one of those like one crazy night movies, you know, where it all mm-hmm. takes place in one night. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, it's not going to be that. But it, for a while, at first, it looked like it almost might be that, and so I didn't know which way it was going. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's there's not a ton else uh, going on other than like, yeah, like the mom wants to sleep with the kid. I was like, again, I don't know how old that guy was. That guy did not look high school age. That is a okay. This is something we're going to talk about, and I don't know about you people. Maybe if you you keep your yearbooks. I went to the same school from kindergarten through twelfth grade, so we've got a load of yearbooks. Um, and I remember growing up, 
um, and looking through the yearbooks and even now, the the kids that were in the 80s, the kids that were seniors and juniors in the 80s, looked like adults. And my yearbook, we did not look like adults. Like we looked like goofy kids with goofy haircuts or whatever. I don't know if it's like Daniel said uh, earlier um, when we were talking the style of clothes or whatever, but go back and look at your yearbooks. I'm going to try to find some. Yeah some pictures to post because like I swear to God, they looked like just adults in our school. Well, I think, I think it was the clothing thing too, because I mean, when you pointed out that the people in Valley girl wore their own clothes. And so that was the actress who played Julie's real outfits at some of these parties and stuff. But like, that's the same clothes that a woman twice her age, that era would also wear. There's, there's no distinguishing any kind of stylistic difference generationally here. And maybe that was just a thing that was, uh, period appropriate and so just one of those weird flukes but I don't know. like i mean yeah like these these kids all are dressed older and they just have the hair and they just look older yeah you know yeah so and they weren't which i love yeah i like that they didn't cast a bunch of 30 year olds yeah um one last thing um like nicholas cage is like 18 or 19 in this Right? Something like that? He's 18. He's 18 in this. He was 17 and turned 18. He's 18 in this. And in this movie, he looks older than I am now. He is just a tall, hairy man in like, water. in like, you know, sport coats and jeans. And you're like, how old are you? You can barely yeah. drive. Yeah, it's weird. So there's a reason that you haven't, that you don't see Deborah Foreman after the 80s. And it's because she uh, made the mistake that I that I think if we really thought about it, we could think of some other actors that have done this where she thought she was hot shit after this movie. And so she would only take offers as opposed she didn't to audition? auditioning. She refused Big to audition. Big fucking mistake. And so her career just went... Yeah. Um, first of all, many, many people who are in like the upper echelons of Hollywood are like offer only and are like that level. But that's when you're like, hey, Tom Hanks wants to make your movie. You know, you're not like, well, can Tom read the script on tape for me or let me know how we, you know, you're like, he's, you either get Tom Hanks or you don't. That's how that works. But, but like, that's the very top because I know, you and, hear about people reading for stuff yeah. that you're like, that person had to read yeah, for like, something. Even the movies that like we, we cover on this podcast every week, you know, when we're, when Trace and I are doing the research, it talks about people going out for these roles, like these hot roles mm-hmm. become coveted by even people who are at the time on the A-list mm-hmm. and they really campaigning for the role. So I know that Valley Girl was a hit and you were in it, but like, Oh man, mm-hmm. like you did not have near the fucking clout to just only take offers, not have to like actually compete for stuff. She also refused to be on the when you and you, we're gonna post it, obviously. Um, she refused to be on the movie poster. What? Why? Refused because to be on the poster? Just, just she just refused. Why? I won't, I won't do it. Oh my god, you're just annihilating your career. So yes. you so you don't So there's a random girl standing with Nicolas Cage. So you don't want to be famous. Yeah. You want to be in this movie and you but you don't actually want to be in movies. Yeah. So you you're trying to be an actress except you don't want to be on the poster or have to she act. Had a very bad manager if she had she, one at all. Oh my god, like and the thing is, like, she was cute and had great energy. Like, she was great she was, in this. I found myself smiling. In- I always smile whenever she smiles. Yeah. Because she's got these big dimples. Yeah, she has a really great, like, in one of the montage scenes, there's a part of the montage, I think one of my favorite scenes is it's cutting back and forth between her in her bedroom and Nicolas Cage on, like, a payphone as they talk to each other make each other laugh. And, like, she's mm-hmm. got this great energy. Um, and she's hilarious and, and really fun and flirty and real genius. Um, oh, man. Oh, yep. honey, you fucked that up royally. She fucked herself over. 
What a terrible approach. I know. It makes me sad for her because she just, she and only in Hollywood. her career. Like, like, if you work in, you know, a fucking bank or a marketing firm or whatever, and you're you're looking for work, you don't just call some other place and be like, make me an offer. They're like, well, do you want to come in for an interview? And you're like, I think this is the interview. Make me an <laughs> offer. That's not how the world works, man. Just because you, so you, ah. Deborah. Oh, Deborah. Deborah. Huge mistake. So I didn't want to talk about it because I am morally against it, but uh, there is now um, released on, I don't know, Netflix or somewhere. You find it if you want to watch it. I'm sure as hell I'm not going to tell you. Shit. Um, they made a musical out of Valley Girl. and Is it like a jukebox musical kind of thing? Like 80 songs stringing together the plot or? I don't care. I'll find out. Um, and they fleshed out the plot. They made it. It has not gotten good reviews. People that... Now, I imagine the Z kids um, and the baby millennials. You fucking TikTokers. Yeah, will be like, this is great. And what's Valley Girl? But the people who actually give a shit are like, why did you ruin my childhood? Um, it's not. They, they flush it out. They make him. He's Randy, like, is in a band. And Julie wants to be a designer and all this bullshit. I will say it's very uh, diverse, ethnically diverse, which racially diverse. Great. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. But I could. Why are you turning this? No, no. Wow. It, interesting. Uh, they announced the idea in February 2012. And it took this long to get everything put together and made it oh my god they shot it in 2017 it was supposed to come out in 2018 it was later pulled from the schedule following controversies surrounding logan paul the yes. youtube guy who's in this movie yes so this movie was supposed to come out like two years ago because it's three years old yes. now oh my god because logan paul this piece of shit kid on youtube who's just an asshole is, yeah. isn't it um oh my god yeah and it's uh and guess who he plays fred no, who he plays the the douchey ex boyfriend. Yeah. yeah, he could play that well. Uh, also, troublingly, um, that's an example it, of an asshole playing an asshole. It uses all the same names. It's it's a remake. Um, so Julie is the main character again. Uh, and according to Wikipedia, older Julie Richmond, who I guess is seen as a flashback or flash forward, yep. is Alicia Silverstone. Yep, that's a bummer. So you see, um, they pulled cast members from the original movie to be in to have little teeny cameos and Deborah Foreman's little cameo is that she's a shop girl. Yeah, she says Deborah Foreman as a saleswoman. Oh, and geez. I'm like, oh, that's really sad because this was your movie. Wow, what a, this looks like it's called it's Valley Girl. The poster says it's the awesomest love story ever told. It doesn't that make you sad? It has to be a piece of shit, and yeah. Originally it was going to be theatrical, and then of course delayed because of Logan Paul, and then pushed back because of COVID. So it just went to VOD, like just recently, which is the only so place that belongs. It's going to be buried and forgotten. It should have been put on like epics or something. Which isn't that fascinating because when these kids three years ago were like, "Hey, we're going to do this remake of Valley Girl," you're like, "Oh, that's fun! So I'm going to be in a movie, Mom. Look at me in a," you know, like if you're the kid in the movie, you're like, "Wow, my career's going places!" And then all this happens, and you're like, "Oh no." Yeah, like, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> that sucks. Sorry, kids. Um, but Logan Paul eats shit, and uh, yeah. Yeah. My last thought was well, not my last thought. I just wanted to say this. Ever. No. So I have... <laughs> my last thought, and then you'll never see me again. So this is actually the first time in a while that I have printed out like 18 pages worth of stuff and read a bunch of stuff to you. So, um, but I didn't want to screw up. It's, I didn't want to screw up. A movie that that I love, and I also thought there was a lot of really interesting information 
in it. Um, like the fact that, oh, uh, the cinematographer also shot Blue Velvet with uh, David Lynch. Jeez. Yes. Wow. Yes. Nice. Um, okay, so you talked about the hot mom. The hot mom, the stepmom of uh-huh. Stacy. Uh-huh. Do you think... <gasps> Stacy's Do you think... Mom? That Stacy's mom was written by Fountains of Wayne, R.I.P. Adam Schlesinger. Did you? Did you write Adam Schlesinger? Did you write Stacy's mom after Valley Girl? Oh my God, I would not be surprised. Does that not freak you out? Even if it's not true. Freak me out, freak me out. Even if it's not true in my heart, it's going to be true. From now on, Stacy's mom has got it going on. It's yeah. from is, is an Valley, Valley Girl. girl. It's Adam Schlesinger. Speak to us from beyond. Poppy, feel. Wow, cool, nice, right? Awesome. Gave you a little. Gave you a little nugget to think about. Nice, awesome. Yeah, I. You know, I am. I totally acknowledge you how you feel about the movie, and that right. is that is absolutely normal. This is one of those times where I just. I needed to show you one of my childhood loves. Yes, of course. And and what I like about I, what I think is very cool is I always just love the movie for the movie and the music and the awesomeness. Yes. But in researching it, I found out a bunch of cool stuff that I didn't know. That is very true. And I love that. Yes, that's very true. Oh, crap. We forgot the most important thing. Okay. Well, it's not the most important thing, but it's something that you really need to know for when you watch it or listen to the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Let's... Okay. Um, Talk about this. There is a song. There is a song that is sung by um, an actual... She's uh, an actual singer singer like it was a real song it's a real song and it's super bigoted and hateful it's called johnny are you queer it's really it's really bad it's 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 bad it's, it's called johnny are you queer basically she this girl this girl's oh, singing to a guy johnny, don't sing it queer, that's not no it's not great she goes out with this guy and is not really getting where she wants to and rather than examine i don't know the underlying What's happening in their relationship, or maybe her issues, or his issues, or whatever? She turns it into a three-minute, really homophobic diss song that is Word. fucking hard to listen to. Yes, and it's played at the prom. At the prom, it's like the finale of the movie is is happening to this song. It is upsetting. It is rough. Right. It is hard to it hear. Started. And I've played music for him before from this movie, and I've played this song, and he was horrible. He was shocked that was. he had like forgotten it. I forgot it existed. And so when she starts singing, the he turned and oh, looked shit. at me like, "What the fuck?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, sorry." And it's so bad. Like, oh my god, the backup <laughs> singers who are saying the phrase "Johnny, are you queer?" on the word "queer," they 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 flop their wrist down in that little that little motion you do when you want to be a homophobe yeah. and make fun of somebody for being gay. It is horrifying yeah it is horrifying not a high point of the movie so it's again a reminder that in 1983 there were some people doing their best to to be uh, as progressive as they could at that time and the way that we found out martha coolidge was trying to be and then there were other things that were just backwards bigoted stupid fucking things Yep, yep and oh my god so yeah just a heads up that's like um that's like how um when we watched Holiday Inn, I was like, there's going to be blackface in this. Just buckle up. Um, I didn't warn you. I did warn you when I played it for you the yeah. first time. So ju- we're just warning you. Like, hey, listen. Um, 
this is in this movie and and we are not um we bo- don't agree with it no we're not boomers who are like it was a different time no it's horseshit it's horseshit it was yeah. horseshit then it's horseshit today exactly uh, but just be prepared it's hard to hear so uh that is in this movie very good reminder shit yeah, that is I, oh, upsetting man. See, I like blocked it out, no. and then I was like, "Wait, no, I've got to tell them. I've got to remind them." We watched Johnny, it like three queer? hours ago, and I've already forgotten. Oh, jeez. Yeah, God, it's bad. Consider thee forewarned. I love that they were probably like, "Should we write this song and make it like? Should I hint at it?" And they're like, "Nah, just fucking both barrels blast yeah, away. Both barrels go have. Oh my have God. at it, man. It's roof. I so. uh, Good call. Josie Cotton." Josie yep. Cotton is who sings it. Yeah, it's the and band at the prom. Holy shit. Best, oh, my God. She's best known for Johnny Are You Queer. What a great legacy. Hey, and you know what? Born in fucking Dallas. This says it all. Yeah, sorry. If you're not from Texas, you don't know. But if oh, you're from Texas, minute. you know. Oh, the Go-Go's performed it first. Fuck you, Go-Go's. Go-Go's, come on. I say no-no to that, Go-Go's. That's not right. Eat shit. That's not right. Yeah, so that's Valley Girl. Yeah, and and again, like I'll say, like it's not like you and I both watch movies, both for this podcast and also in our life, where it ends and you're like, man, fuck that movie. I have, I do not have that response at all in any way to this. Awesome. Please, no. It was, I didn't, end, it didn't end, and I was like, what the fuck was that? Ninety minutes of my life. I was like, that was kind of dumb, but harmless and fun and mm-hmm, banging mm-hmm. soundtrack mm-hmm. and With young the exception of John Arie young Blair. Nicolas Cage and like clearly super hot, clearly low budget and cut together. Like there's one scene. Um, there's a couple of scenes where Nicolas Cage is wearing what I now know are his clothes. And it's supposed to be like different days, but it's clearly the same clothes and same shooting day. They just stuff got weirdly moved around in the edit. And you're like, oh, like it's little things like that. You're like, it's clearly like a labor of love for the folks who did this movie. So so go into that knowing that, it, that it's got that and it's just kind of a fun time capsule. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To quote the uh, the people from the movie studio, it's a real movie. It's a real movie. That's what. That's how we're going to end it. It's not so, the awesomest film you've ever seen. Yeah. It's a real movie. That's on the poster. Valley Girl. It's a real movie. <laughs> that should be the title. Awesome. Valley Girl. It's a real movie. It's fucking great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, okay. All right. That's that's Valley Girl. And uh, let's do some Hell Yes. Okay. You want me to go first? Sure. You know what? I'm going to do a, a pretty probably obvious hell yeah if you've been living in my household the past couple weeks or been online. And it is for uh, a video game that my wife has alternately called Animal Farm, <laughs> Animal House, or Your Animal Game. And that is Animal Crossing New Horizons for the Switch. Uh, it sold like 12 million units already. It was It's like a, a huge smash hit. And it happened to be just because a lot of we're all locked inside right now. And so it's very relaxing. But... It's my first time playing any of these games, and it is a really gentle, chill game meant to be played for like a few minutes a day. Like nothing happens immediately when it's like, do you want to build a bridge on your island? And you're like, yeah. And it's like, great. Construction's done tomorrow. And you're like, fine. I guess I'll just go fucking leave. And you just come back tomorrow, and the thing is there. Like it is just a little fun, distracting, chill, relaxing fish and and buy some clothes and like visit people online kind of game. And it has been super Super chill out and relaxing for me during 
COVID lockdown. It has been a really nice mental health break to just chill and just fart around in for a few minutes a day and take a little mental health breaks. And so that is my hell yeah, uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Or I really wish it were Animal Farm or Animal House. <laughs> <laughs> the, other day, the other day, I loved the other day. She's like, you playing your animal game? And I was like, yep. <laughs> She's like, that's good. <laughs> People date on that game. They probably do. So I've been keeping my eye yeah. on him. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I was. He was laughing, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm on April's Island." I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "I'm on. I'm April and I are chat. April is yeah, my, my friend, dear wonderful friend who. Yep. I visited her island. We the love. Other day. And I was like, "What are you? What island? What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Does Jason know about this? Yep. What's her happening? Husband. Yeah, I gotta find. You called it like something else. I wrote it down. Animal Farm. Yeah. Hold on. Give me just a second. Uh, yeah, he loves that game and he plays it a lot. And I've heard that in Japan they're holding like companies hold meetings in Animal crossing because everybody's so happy in there yeah it's well it's so it's also so incredibly popular and they're like well we know our folks have it and are online and are playing it so we can just have a meet up in this we know that they're gonna so uh yeah and again like it's it's do you keep a list of stuff that i say no i tweeted it the other day oh, God. of things that you'd called it and everybody <laughs> thought it was cute um that's why i'm on my phone right now scrolling frantically it really wouldn't spray he does he does sometimes when i say stuff write it down so that he can i do i share it and people uh people like oh no just those two animal farm and animal house okay see and then your animal game most recently yeah i thought there was another one but there wasn't but anyway uh yeah it's a really fun nice relaxing chill out game it's i like it because it's low stakes you can't lose or fail the game you can't die you can't lose there's no game over you can't lose the game. It's impossible to be defeated. It is just about relaxing. And it happened to come out right at the time that everybody needs a little break like that. And so, yeah, it's a nice little chill out. Yeah, so that's my so hell the yeah. The makers are high-fiving each other like. Oh, yeah, they're rolling in it. They're, Nintendo's like, yeah, whatever you guys want to do next, keep making more. Like, yeah. They're crushing yeah. it. So, anyway, Animal Crossing New Horizons. My that's a very good one. My hell yeah is a, also an online game uh, called Psych. Mm-hmm. By um, it's by Ellen Digital, and I kind of grit my teeth at giving Ellen DeGeneres any money because I found out that she's a massive bitch. But I still we um, they do another game called um, I can't remember. It's where you hold your you hold head. your phone up to you your, hold head. your phone up to your head. You hold your phone up like an index card, and people look at what's on the phone on your forehead and have to like act it out for you, and you have yeah. to guess what the That's clue the is. That's the other game though. Yeah. Psych is this really hilarious game you play, but you can play. Daniel and I played against each other, mm-hmm. but you can play it. Um, we had a Zoom game night last night with my siblings. Um, all of us are in Houston, but we're you know, staying away from each other. And so the six of us um, were hanging on our couches, you know, having some drinks and um, we played. And the idea is there's a bunch of different games, but um, it'll say like, okay, for the, for, for law uh, laws, um, it'll give you like in 1629, the following was illegal in Kansas city. And you have to write down an answer that is, possibly correct if you can come up with it but you're not going to be able to um but most importantly can fool your other teammates so yeah. that they'll choose it yeah and then you go and then then it gives you the answers including the right answer um and you choose which one you think it is and then it will be like psych and like 
maybe I chose Daniel's answer thinking it was the right one, mm-hmm. or maybe maybe Sally chose the right answer. And so it's not just about getting the right answer. It's about psyching out. It's about fooling, fooling the other the players. Other players. Yeah. And it's so fucking fun. Yeah. So like you can win the game by because you get points if you guess the correct answer, but you also get points for fooling other people. Yes. So you can actually win the game. But never guess the correct answer yourself, but fool everyone else enough times. Yes. Uh, so it's it's really it's a it's a fun game, and it's it's all played on your phones, and of course it's meant to be played like in a in a room when you're all together. But yeah. it's it's totally playable on like Zoom or, or video call. Our sister in law is a master of fooling people. Like, oh man, she's she's uh, she's she killed it. Yeah. There was one where she just like annihilated and ran away like the game. Like all of us. We were we, like, we, what the hell we just happened? All our, so yeah, but there's all different categories like um, there's animals and, and laws and and trivia and stuff. And, and mo- there's a movie one where they give you the title of, of a obs- real movie. They give you titles of, of real movies, obscure but real movies, and say, okay, make up the plot. And so then it lists all the plots already made up and you have to pick which one you think is the real one. And that mm-hmm. gets crazy because they all, no one knows what these movies are. They're all so obscure. So they all could be believable. Yeah. So they're really fun. Yeah. And I got fooled on that one so hard so many times because yeah. I hadn't heard of any you of these You won movies. that one, though. You won that game. The movie one? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, that's the thing. I fooled other people you with did. my fake answers, but the I didn't. Bosnian teens. Yeah. You really got me with I didn't that know anything. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Yeah. We, Psych. I highly recommend Psych. And yeah, you don't have to play it over Zoom. We were just playing it over Zoom because uh-huh. um, we can't hang out together. Um, but it's really, really fun. Pay to get rid of the ads. Just do it. Bite. You're just, it's three bucks. And it's three worth bucks. It. Just do it. Just do it. You'll, you'll be so annoyed if you don't. And um, and it offers more games as you go along. And mm-hmm. it's just really. It, we had a really good time. Yeah, it's really cool. They also they have different card packs you can you can buy as games. But the cool thing is, if I buy like an extra card pack to run a game, not everyone else has to buy it. Yeah. Like. I just buy it and create the game and invite you to my game, and then we can all use that card pack. So, really, price said like all the games. Um, only one if one person doesn't want to pay anything and just like live with the ads and not have to like download anything else or, or pay for any card packs, they don't have to. So there's no like there's no forced purchases. Yeah, yeah. Psych is what it's called. Psych. Yeah, we like it. So yeah, we there like you go. Psych and Animal House. Oh, okay. There it is. It's close. Um, well, it needs more nudity. <laughs> I've just been, I've just been called by, uh, the producers of Valley Girl. It needs more nudity? It needs more, needs more tits. Well, I'm going to go design little shirts for my people that show boobs. <laughs> and. <laughs> we also discovered. I'll post pictures. Speaking of, it is illegal in, uh, California's, uh, certain county of California to sell booby pillows within a thousand feet of the highway. Yeah. Now I'm going to let you look up boobypillows.com and you're welcome. Have fun, everybody. We will see you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. <laughs>